Welcome to the Parenting Musically podcast. Season two is supported by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This season, we're thinking about how encountering music in new ways can help us as families make music a meaningful and important part of our lives. How can music as a sonic experience help us and our children to understand the world we're living in? I'm your host, Lisa Heisman Copes. I'm a professor and researcher of music education at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. I also teach early childhood music classes and I am mother to four children. So I engage with ideas of parenting musically from multiple viewpoints. Today's guest is Mandy Smith. Mandy Smith is the Director of Education at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She oversees all pre-kindergarten through college on-site and online learning, as well as The Garage, which is the Rock Hall's interactive music instrument exhibit. Mandy earned her PhD in musicology from Case Western Reserve University, her MA in musicology from California State University, Long Beach, and a BA in history of rock and roll music from Indiana University. Mandy has drummed in punk, metal, alternative, and prog rock bands for 30 years. All right, welcome back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, on the shores of Lake Erie. With me today is Mandy Smith, the Director of Education at the Rock Hall. Mandy, welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit of an overview of the programs here for education at the Rock Hall. So it's so exciting to be the director of education because we, uh, I always say we teach everyone of all ages. Uh-huh. Um, we have a, a toddler rock program on site where three to five-year-olds come in and learn their pre-literacy and pre-numeracy skills. Uh, we have a K-12, uh, more of a sort of field trip program here. We teach a college class. Wow. Uh, so those are sort of our on-site programs. But then we have an online education platform where our teachers can go get materials for uh, pre-kindergarten all the way through college. And then I also get to oversee our great garage exhibit where people can come and learn to play musical instruments. Amazing. And that online program, is that available to the public, to parents as well, or just to teachers? It is. It's free. Uh, you just sign up at rockhall.com slash education. And uh, we really tailor it to teachers, parents, and guardians, especially since the pandemic, since right. all parents became teachers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it really is a range of subject matters, too. I mean, if you are teaching music, if you're teaching social studies, if you're teaching history, if you're teaching ELA, we've got something for just about everyone. Oh, that's great. So tell me about your journey to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How did you end up being the director of education? Yeah, I guess I'll start um, kind of from when I was a little kid, since we're talking about, you know, parenting and things like that. So mm-hmm. my parents, uh, you know, created a pretty musical household. We had a, a picture of the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album cover on our wall growing up. Nice. Um, I'm named Mandy after the Barry Manilow song, oh, Mandy. <laughs> that's wonderful. My brother was almost named Levon after the Elton John song. <laughs> Uh, and so our parents were always very supportive. In fact, they af- they actually let us both have drum sets in our bedrooms. <laughs> you had two drum sets in the house? We had two drum sets in the house. <laughs> wow. Most kids don't even have one, right? Right. <laughs> and so they were always really supportive. Um, and then I was able to get a great degree in the history of rock and roll music at Indiana University through their individualized major program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody always said, oh, history of rock and roll, when are you going to use this? You know, this is a waste of time. Ah. But now I work at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I think I use my degree more than just about anyone I know. Absolutely. (laughs) 
so then I, I um, actually went to grad school. I got my master's in musicology, my PhD in musicology here at Case Western mm -hmm. in Cleveland. Um, and I chose that school for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons was they had a great relationship with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so I got to do a couple of internships here. And that's sort of how I got my foot in the door. Uh, and then in 2015, uh, the job of education instructor opened up. And I just knew it was my job. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So do you have a favorite program or a favorite event that happens during the year? That is so hard to pick because um, <laughs> we just have so many. Um, I love going to the induction ceremony every year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that is sort of what the world knows us for, right? That's when sort of all eyes are on the rock hall is when the induction ceremony happens. It's such a great event. How many artists are inducted every year? That's a good question. So each year there's usually between five and seven artists inducted in the performer category. Mm -hmm. And then there are some other categories. Um, and usually there's a handful of people that get inducted from the other categories as well. Mm -hmm. And once they're inducted, then do they get a special display here at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum or? Yeah. So uh, every year we do a new inductee exhibit. So right now on our, our third floor, you can see uh, artifacts from uh well, I guess now technically it's last year's class of inductees. Mm -hmm. So you can see artifacts from everyone from Eminem to Harry Belafonte to Elizabeth Cotton up there, which is really exciting, uh, especially if you think about Elizabeth Cotton being born in the 1890s. Wow. And then Eminem still being uh, very popular and performing today. You can really see the wide diversity of people that, that get inducted to the Rock Hall. And what do you like about the ceremony? It's just such an exciting moment because you never know what's going to happen and you never know who's going to be on stage together because not only do you have the people who are being inducted, but you have um, people uh, sort of introducing them and inducting them into the rock hall. Oh, okay. Then you sometimes have people performing with them as special guests. Uh -huh. Then sometimes you have people performing for them if, if they've passed away and they're no longer uh -huh. around. Uh, and oftentimes at the end of the night, there will be sort of a big uh, group jam. So this year, yeah. everyone was on the stage, yeah, yeah. it seemed like. <laughs> Everybody who was there was playing with Dolly Parton, oh. Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Okay. When else are you going to see Rob Halford of Judas Priest and Dolly Parton singing together? I think the answer is never. So right. that's the magic of the induction ceremony. But that kind of encapsulates what happens here, that you are mm -hmm. bringing so many musicians and so many people together. For sure. We have a really wide uh, and I think exciting definition of rock and roll here. Uh, it's almost more about um, what youth culture is responding to at any given moment in time mm. than any specific musical style definition or or something like that. And so that's why you can get Elizabeth Cotton and Eminem and Dolly Parton in the same induction class. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite space here at the Rock Hall? I do have a favorite space. It's in fact, that one that I'm in charge of, the garage, uh -huh. uh, because it's such an interactive, just magical space. Uh, and, and so, you know, you'll see a, a five-year-old come in who's never picked up a guitar in their life, and they get to pick up a guitar. They get to see what happens when they strum it. They get to mm. feel how hard they have to push their finger down in order to change the sound. And it's just sort of a magical moment to see that. At the same time, you get things like, um, you know, 
half of Metallica showing up and wanting to jam <laughs> in the jam room. Seriously? Seriously. And actually, it was it was uh, the guitarist, Kirk Hammett, and the bassist, Rob Trujillo. And so they needed a drummer. And I was there, and I got oh, to actually Andy. drum with half of Metallica. And so it's just this wonderfully magical space of of learning, of connection, of music, um, of community that happens up there. Can you talk more about that idea of community and connection? Absolutely. Uh, and I think the garage is a, a great place to talk about that. Um, uh, one great program that we have here is thanks to KeyBank, anyone in Cleveland proper um, can come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for free. So a couple years ago, we actually had a group of high school students who were Cleveland residents who came into the Rock Hall like every week nice. and really formed a band uh -huh. and had access to all these great musical instruments in the garage. And they would come and they would practice and they would learn and they would jam. And I don't think any of them had access to those instruments at home or in their schools. Sure. And so we provided this great place where members of the community can come and do something that they wouldn't have the opportunity to do somewhere else. And were they interacting with the teaching artists as well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the teaching artists, you know, got to know them um, pretty well because they came in so often. And so um, I'd like to think that it was cool that they also got to interact with these people who were already really great musicians and who could uh, maybe, you know, help them and, and mentor them. You know, you get to see things like one time this grandfather came in um, who hadn't played drums in a long time, and his grandkids had never seen him play drums. Wow. And he didn't have a drum set anymore. So his grandkids got to see him play drums for the first time at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. So our theme for this season is understanding music as sonic experience situated within culture, mm -hmm. which is a mouthful. Mm -hmm. But can you break that down for us and, and how you view that sonic experience situated within culture in light of your job as director of education? For sure. Uh, I think that thinking of music as a sonic experience in general is a really interesting way to think about music uh, because it is this thing that we are experiencing together, it can change how we're feeling. Hmm. You know, I mean, when you go to work out, you don't put on an old Hank Williams record <laughs> because that's not what Hank Williams is for. <laughs> you know, Hank Williams is for feeling your feelings and your emotions and things like that. You know, so if 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 you want to work out, you put on some, you know, electronic dance music or something like that, uh -huh. right? Uh, because music has this uncanny ability not only to sort of portray the emotions and the feelings and even the bodily experiences that we're having in the world. But it also has the ability to change the bodily experience that we're having in the moment and the mood that right. we're feeling in the moment. Right. And so I think thinking of it as a sonic experience is a really interesting way to think of it. And then, of course, culture. Here at the Rock Hall, we just cannot separate culture from music. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't because it's such an important part of it. And so actually we have a, a pedagogical philosophy here in our education department, and it's called sound, context, meaning. Mm -hmm. So every time we teach anything to anyone of any grade about anything, uh, we start with the musical sound. So you might start with, you know, the Black Sabbath song, War Pigs. Mm -hmm. And um, then you think about the context around it and you arrive at the meaning. And so the sound of that song is so aggressive. The drums are really chaotic and they're all over the place and the drummer's playing all these drum fills and the music's very loud. It's distorted. It's aggressive. 
And then the context is they wrote that during the Vietnam War. Hmm. And uh, the lyrics talk about um, they are very anti-war lyrics. And so as you sort of build out this context and think about the musical sounds, you get at why that song has so much meaning for us today and why it had so much meaning for someone who was living while the Vietnam War was happening. Yeah, absolutely. So if families aren't able to travel to Cleveland or if their children don't live in a school district Mm -hmm. who come for field trips, what are some resources that you have that families can access online? So there are a few things. I would say the number one is that Rock Hall EDU platform that has everything from lesson plans and activities to videos to exclusive interviews to snippets of podcasts to all kinds of things that you can uh, access free uh, with an account online. But we also have several virtual exhibits. So if you want to check out some of our exhibits, but you can't make the trip to the Rock Hall, you can check out the virtual components of those. Uh, We also have... um, a partnership we just started with Google Arts and Culture. Mm-hmm. So we have a Google Arts and Culture page that you can check out. And even our rockhall.com um, has so many great resources, like information about our inductees particularly and things mm-hmm. like that. So go back to those virtual exhibits. Mm-hmm. Can you give some examples of, I'm, I'm just having trouble imagining what that would be like. So I sit with my seven-year-old and uh-huh. say, we're going to go to the Rock Hall today. We're going to go to a virtual exhibit. Like, what would we be seeing? For sure. My favorite one is actually of our It's Been Said All Along exhibit, which uh, looks at how Black artists have responded to racism uh, since the beginning of rock and roll and mm-hmm. done that through music. And so uh, if you come on site, you walk into an exhibit gallery and you see artifacts. It's okay. pretty self-explanatory. What but, kind of artifacts? Uh, all kinds of artifacts. We have um, lyric sheets and uh, clothing and instruments and things like that. But if you go to the online section, there's actually sort of a, a 360 virtual tour mm-hmm. of the exhibit space. So it's almost kind of like you're standing in it in person. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can sort of zoom and click and look at the different artifacts. But then we also have a lot of supplemental um sort of assets on there. So we have um, some videos and some video explanations by our head curator and um, spotlights on different artifacts and some of the exhibit text and things like that. So um, it's really a way to learn about the same information and the same artifacts, but just in a virtual environment. Yeah. And it sounds like you would even be getting some really rich context that you might not get in person if you're able to yeah. look online. Yeah, it's really best to do them both. If yeah, you want to okay. really get the whole exhibit because there are yeah. some things that are online that aren't on site and vice versa. Got it. Got it. So in all your programs, would you say that the main goal is for the children to learn about music? Or are you mainly hoping they'll learn about other subjects or other domains, mm-hmm. all of the above? That's a great question. It is kind of an all of a all of the above. And it kind of goes back to that pedagogical philosophy that we have of sound, context, and meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, we really strongly believe that you learn so much more when you think about all of those things together. Uh, because if you're just listening to the music and thinking about what's going on, the melody and the rhythm and the harmony and things like that, you can learn a certain amount. And by the same token, if you just sort of look at the context surrounding the music, you know, the band, what they were doing at the time, what was going on in history, you can learn a certain amount too. But really by combining both of those things, you can learn so much about uh, what that music meant. Wow. That gives me so much to think about because as you know, in the um, book that I wrote called Parenting Musically, Mm -hmm. I wrote about 
how parents can use music for kids to learn music and how parents can use music for them to do other things or learn mm -hmm. other skills um, or have other experiences. But this point that you've just made that either one on its own is not enough, that you've got to have everything together, I think could apply in so many ways to different, mm -hmm. different subjects as well. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. What would you like parents to know about the experience of coming to a museum like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What I want them to know is that the Rock Hall is for everyone. I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of museums, you go in and they're very quiet mm -hmm. and they're very um, sort of hallowed. Um, and, and the Rock Hall, of course, you know, this is, to me, sacred ground. These yeah. artifacts are sacred. But I think the environment that we want to make here is more of a sort of living, celebratory environment. And we want to think about our current relationship as people today to these artifacts of the past, you know? And so how um, how can we relate to these artifacts? So I think just going into the Rock Hall with that mindset that it's almost as much of a playground and a learning environment as it is a museum, uh, I would like them to come in with with sort of that that mindset and that passion. If parents are coming to the Rock Hall, I feel like they should almost start in the garage, mm -hmm. the interactive exhibit, because if you can get your kids sort of playing these instruments before you then go out into the rest of the museum, I think a lot of our artifacts just come to life more. So if your kid, you know, beats the life out of our drum set upstairs <laughs> yeah. and then goes and sees Questlove's drum set on exhibit, your child can now really step into the shoes of Questlove and think about what it would mean to play that particular drum set and how it might be different from the one that you just played in the garage. And maybe even bookend it with that the, mm -hmm. the garage. Um, I, I think that would be a great way for parents to bring their kids through the museum, um, not just from a sort of kinesthetic learning um, point of view, but also from a energy point of view. Right. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> important to consider. Yeah. Like give your kids something to do. Beat those drums, get the energy levels down a little bit, go through the museum, see some cool artifacts, learn some history, and then go get out that energy again. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, that's great. And that's interesting to think about having that concrete experience before moving mm -hmm. to a more abstract experience exactly. and how it seems like whenever we as parents can find ways to have concrete experiences, which the museum itself, the whole entire mm -hmm. thing is a very concrete experience to have, that that then shores up the more abstract learning that we're asking them to do a lot of the time. Yeah, it makes it easier for them to sort of do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a favorite story about the education programs at the Rock Hall, something that maybe happened or anything along those lines? I have so many. It's hard to, to narrow it down and to pick one. One of my favorite stories is actually uh, back when I kind of first started working here, in our toddler rock program, I remember one week the music therapist in the program was uh, teaching kids about the letter A and using Aretha Franklin to teach the letter A. And um, they worked on that letter that week and the following week. And I remember the first week, so few kids, a couple kids knew the letter A, but by the second week, Almost everyone in the class knew the letter A and knew that Aretha, A was for Aretha. Uh -huh. And just actually seeing that happen in such a fundamental building block of learning was just a magical moment. Because I don't think most people understand 
uh, how big of a problem illiteracy still is in this country. Yeah. And so being able to be at an institution that is helping kids literally learn their ABCs through music, which is how we all learn our ABCs, <laughs> right. was just a really powerful moment for me. Yeah. How do you keep your mind wrapped around the enormity of the education programs? Thinking about this, learning yeah. the letter A through a college class uh-huh. here in the building, online. How do you keep it all together? Yeah, that's a great question. I really like that about working at the Rock Hall. I like kind of serving everyone because I could I could never decide what kind of teacher I wanted to be. I didn't know if I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher or a college teacher. I just wanted to teach rock and roll. And so getting to be an institution where I teach about rock and roll and teach through rock and roll to all of those different audiences is just amazing. And we actually have, you know, adult programs and, and things like that, too. So uh, and we taught uh, a senior citizen program for a while, um, too, during the pandemic. And, and so just getting to reach all these different audiences, I almost more think of it as a, a gift instead of like a challenge sure. to, to keep your head wrapped around all of it. Yeah, it's just such a unique opportunity um, to be at this institution and to get to reach so many people. What is it about rock and roll that you want to teach? You said you just want to teach rock and roll to all these mm-hmm. people. What is it about rock and roll that makes you want to teach it? Music is just such a huge passion for me. And I know that there are so many people in the world that share that passion. Mm -hmm. I want to help them understand why music means so much to them. And I think that um, being able to work in the education department at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is probably my best opportunity in the world to get to do (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Are there certain pathways that people tend to go along in that journey of understanding why music means so much to them? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I assume that there kind of are, but I I think there are so many ways. And really, in sort of academia and in the study of music, rock and roll came a little bit later in the game and wasn't taken seriously for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when I was sort of applying to grad schools 15 years ago, it was kind of hard to find a place that was, you know, taking this seriously and had people I could study with and things like that. Now, so many disciplines study rock and roll. It's studied in everything from musicology to music education to sociology to um, science to, you know, all of these different things. Right, right. And so I think that it's so interdisciplinary and that's really exciting because it means that there's not one way that you can figure out why music means so much to you. Yes. There's not just one path. And so I think that that's really exciting and shows how complex musical meaning really is. Mandy, thanks so much for sharing your insights and experience with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today for the Parenting Musically podcast, supported by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Case Western Reserve University. If you'd like to learn more about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, please see the links in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and keep making music a meaningful part of your family's life.